This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Stand with Amy Dunphy. Now... What's happening in the Middle East is something we're witnessing every night on our television screens, and it is horrific. An estimated 11,000 Palestinians have died, and it is also estimated that 4,500 of those dead are children, many are women, and of course, this all began, this latest conflict between the Palestinians and Israel on October the 7th, when Hamas, which is technically the government of the Gaza Strip, invaded Israel early in the morning. They murdered 1,400 Israelis in the most ferocious and wicked way. It was, in my view, a terrorist attack, and I've no problem using that word, although significantly the BBC, for example, described Hamas as militants. I've always believed that if you murder innocent people, you are a terrorist. However, this was the original act, the original sin, in this particular phase of the conflict between Palestine and Israel. On October the 24th, when Israel had embarked on its invasion and its long war, as they describe it, against Hamas. The United Nations Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, told the UN Security Council that, in his opinion, the horrific attack by Hamas on Israeli civilians on October the 7th did not happen in a vacuum. In other words, there was a context, a historical context, and we had to be aware of that. Israel rejected that claim, in the strongest possible terms, by calling for the resignation of Guterres, and they have threatened to reject all visa applications for UN officials. This conflict is horrible, it's ugly, and it's hurting people even to watch, particularly the children dying, but also the Gaza Strip being destroyed as a place where people could live. And it's a pleasure to welcome to the stand now somebody who wrote a really fascinating piece for the Irish Times last week. His name is Niall Holohan. 
is a retired diplomat who was based in Ramallah, which is on the West Bank, as the Irish government's representative to the Palestinian Authority from 2002 to 2006. He retired from the Department of Foreign Affairs in 2014 as ambassador to Saudi Arabia. So he knows this area, he knows the territory, and he knows what he's talking about. Niall, you're very welcome to the stand. Thank you very much for joining us. As you point out in the piece you wrote for the Irish Times, truth is very often lost in the fog of war. And what you did in the Irish Times was give us the context and fill in the vacuum that Gutierrez, the Secretary General, referred to. As to the rights and wrongs of this, personally, I've never had any time for terrorism, whether it was provisional IRA terrorism or any other form of terrorism. However, Israel's response and the West's support for it begs many questions. And you go back to 1948, when the British, who were governing there, began to try to get a resolution. Is that the right place to start? Because Israel sometimes wants to go back 2,000 years. But for those of us watching what's happening now, is 1948 a good place to start? Uh, thank, thank you, Eamon, and it, it's great to be on the stand with you. Um, I mean, you have to start somewhere, and, and of course the history of the Jewish people goes back to biblical times and beyond. And, but I think when we're dealing with the present-day circumstances, we need to deal with modern history rather than ancient history. And the issue that arose in 1948 was that the Jewish people had no homeland of their own and had been persecuted in, in Europe. Indeed, they had suffered the Holocaust under the Nazis. And so it was understandable that they should want a, a nation-state of their own. Um, the unfortunate business was that that particular area of land was already occupied by by Palestinians or by by Arab community and Muslim and, and and Christian and only a very small number of Jews were, were resident in the area. Although more were coming from, from considerably more were coming from Europe uh, with the end of, of the Second World War. Um, <clears throat> what what might have been better if it had all been arranged properly? that people could have lived together in harmony in a, in a single unitary state of the Holy Land of, of Palestine, or whatever you wanted to call it. But the um, land was partitioned. I'm afraid the British seemed to, to in, enjoy or engage in partitioning territories as a solution to the problems, political problems that exist. And it doesn't seem to work very well in Palestine, just as it didn't work very well in Ireland and India and other places. Um, so 1948 is where we have to start. And the land was partitioned, and Gaza, the Gaza Strip was more or less cut off from the rest of Palestine and, and administered by, by Egypt um, for, until the, 19, the 1956 Jewish crisis and, and then the 67 Yom Kippur Six Day War. So uh, <clears throat> the problem with, 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 with the Gaza Strip is that it's always been too small a territory for the number of people who yes. can forced to live there and huge numbers migrated and were indeed fled and, and were forced to move from the, the Arab cities of what is now Israel into, into what is what is the Gaza Strip. And too many people are living there 
and there's just not enough resources in terms of agricultural land or particularly water resources. So it's, that creates a conflagration, um, no matter what the uh, the local political or um, geographical situation might be, um, and it's, it's given rise to a series of conflicts that we're all aware of and that you just talked about. And then this latest one on October the seventh is, is just uh, just one of a series of many. And Antonio Guterres was certainly right in saying that it didn't happen in a vacuum. It's been going on for a long time. And the causes are blatantly there facing us, looking us in, in the face. Yes, and in order to facilitate a Jewish state, Israel, an estimated 700,000 Palestinians were moved. Is that That's correct, isn't it? That's correct, from, yeah. from what is not the present-day Israelis. Um, and they, they became refugees. Yes, and the idea of a two-state solution... Was that in the mind of the British when they partitioned as they did? And would it be fair to say, and you point out in your piece, that the Gaza Strip, 2.3 million people in a piece of land, as you point out in your Irish Times piece, that's half the size of Louth, which is our smallest county. But it's been described as the, the world's fullest open-air prison, and that the people there were denied the opportunities, even as things stood. The land wasn't fertile. They couldn't get out or in to work. They weren't in control of their own destiny. And the task of governing was initially given to the Palestinian Authority. Is that right? Well, that, that was much later with, with the, the Oslo Accords of 1993 um, came under the under the Palestinian Authority to administer with the minister of the territory with the whole idea of becoming a, a new Palestinian state. In yes. other words, the two-state solution would where Palestine would be a equal and present, same way as Israel is is equal and present as a, as a full, full sovereign state. So the problem appears to to be that Israel kept control of the Gaza Strip. Entry and exit, what could be done? In fact, they can cut off electricity, water, power, and also reject fundamentally, particularly the Netanyahu government. They reject the idea of a two-state solution. Yes, yes. They, they, they have gone back on the agreement that was made in Oslo that Palestine could develop into a, a modern sovereign uh, state, and essentially, they they had never they never agreed. People like Netanyahu had never agreed with with Oslo in, in, in the first instance, but there was always a strong feeling, even among the the Labour Party and um, General Rabin, who who was the Prime Minister at the time until he was assassinated in, in nineteen ninety six. Um, even he was continually increasing the the level of settlements, Israeli Jewish settlements in the occupied territories of the uh, of the West Bank and even in Gaza itself. There, there were there were Jewish settlements, and, and this was never going to work. This was never going to allow the Palestinian state to develop. That it could be called a real nation state. And as we speak right now, and you were based in Ramallah, which is on the West Bank. 
Yes. The expansion of Israel continues and the immigration that came from Russia and from other places tended to be more extreme. And now the Palestinians on the West Bank, when they try to harvest their olives, for example, and this is the olive season, they can be shot by militants, settlers, and sometimes Israeli army people are there as well. So the expansion continues and the persecution of the Palestinian people continues. Is that an overstatement or fair? Well, no, it, it's true because the, the Palestinians are being de denied their national rights and they are also imprisoned within a territory where they don't have the right to leave, to come and to go as, as they might wish. The, the borders are completely controlled by Israel um, and they, their opportunities for employment, even their opportunities for uh, productive industries which can export and make money by, by sending goods abroad, all of this is controlled by, by Israel. And, it's made life um, economically and politically almost impossible for the Palestinian people and for the Palestinian Authority who are supposed to be running the territories. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a situation that, that simply couldn't persist. It couldn't go on. Um, it was going to explode at some point. Now, the rise of Hamas and, if you like, the Palestinian Authority being discredited for being too moderate or for not being strong enough. The rise of Hamas, who the last election in Gaza was 2005, I believe. In six, yeah, 2006. 2006. Hamas were elected. Right. Now, is it fair to say that central to Hamas's objectives and policy is the elimination of the state of Israel. That's their stated position. Yeah, that, that does seem to be in, still in their charter. They, they haven't reneged on that. And also, of course, they're not a democratic organization. They don't believe in democracy. They, they do believe in Islamic rules. So they are an extremist organization, there's no doubt about them. Through all of this, and you describe it so vividly in the piece you wrote for the Irish Times, this horrible oppression, the ceding to Israelis of the most fruitful and arable land and all of that. The United States and other Western powers, and this is where Ireland is, as it were, somewhat separate from and distinguished by the work of people of your generation and continued by Mial Martin, who's there at the moment. The Irish state has a different position. But the most powerful Western powers, notably the most powerful of all, the United States, have gone along with Israel's behavior. They have armed them. They fund them. And that has been true president after president. And Joe Biden said two or three weeks ago, that he'd known Bibi, as he called Netanyahu, for 40 years. It was a kind of folksy thing to say, but Netanyahu has moved the Likud party, which he leads, way to the far right by bringing in settlers and people like that, militant settlers. So is the West complicit 
in this persecution of the Palestinian people for all of this time? Yes, I, I think I think we are to a large extent, and um, certainly Israel could not have behaved the way it has over the last 50, 60 years without the support, full support, and sometimes unconditional support yes. of, of the United States. And um, this is because of the well, perfectly legitimate um, democratic process in America where lobby groups are extremely important and have great influence over Congress and over the White House. And in in America, certainly since the 1960s, the, uh, the Jewish lobby, um, yes. the APAC, the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, it's called, has had <clears throat> controlling influence, I would say, on Middle East policy in America, in Congress and in the White House. And it, it's done by democratic means. It's not very pleasant. You know, it's it's, it's putting money where, where your mouth is and um, basically preventing people from standing, taking this stance which JPEG does not approve of um, by, by ensuring that such persons will ever be elected again because they will run candidates against them and cause them all sorts of trouble. So <clears throat> through the American democratic process, the, the Jewish lobby in, in America has managed to control Middle East policy. And that has meant that the policy of the United States in the region has been um, biased and, and skewed in a way that is not conducive to producing a peace settlement. And, and that's that's a very unfortunate situation because, as we all know, America is, is the greatest democracy in the world. But yes. their, their influence in the Middle East has not been very good. Now, we spoke to Professor Avi Schleim, who is a noted Jewish scholar. He served in the Israeli army, as everyone is obliged to, of course. And he also believes that the state of Israel should exist. We spoke to him on the stand, and he outlined for us, and for our listeners as much as for me, the difference between Judaism and Zionism. And his opinion was that Zionism was a colonial idea, and that had to be distinctly are distinguished between that and Judaism as such. So the charge of anti-Semitism, which is often leveled at people who are critical of Israel and their behavior in this particular matter. You can be critical of Zionism. It does by no means mean that you're anti-Semitic, does it? No, not at all. And it's it's a weapon used, I'm afraid, by yes. Israelis to accuse people of being anti-Semitic if they criticize Israeli policy, and that's completely unimportant. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Fair and all true. When you watch the television images now, when you see the number of children, innocent people being killed, it's around 11,000 estimate. And their homes are gone. It seems to be the Israeli intention to level the Gaza Strip and make it uninhabitable, not just by Hamas, but by anybody. Many of us feel troubled, sickened, and and almost frightened by what we're witnessing daily now. Where does this end? Can I ask you, Niall, in your long and distinguished career as a diplomat, have you seen anything like this in this area before? I know the Yom Kippur War in, I think, 1967. There was a war in 73. Has there been anything as ominous as this? Well, each, each crisis is always ominous more ominous than anything else at the time it's occurring. Of course. Um, I don't think this is insoluble. It, there has to be a solution. There has to be a political um, arrangement eventually which will, will settle the issue either fully or to a large extent. And we, we've seen that in Northern Ireland where apparently intractable problems can be resolved eventually. But it does take time. And, um, but Amer- America was part of the solution in the North, Bill Clinton That's true. in particular. That's true. Yeah. America yeah. here under Joe Biden, and indeed for the reasons that you gave the power of the Jewish lobby in America, it doesn't appear that America could ever be part of the solution as things stand right now. Well, eventually, I mean, American people will begin to realize that their unconditional support of Israel is not in America's own interests. Yes. Now, how long that will take, I don't know, but but when it happens... It's beginning, they say, in Washington as recently as yesterday, uh, to show in polls that a majority of Americans now are realizing that this isn't in their national interest and they don't want it. That's right, that's right. And, uh, I mean, America is the one country that can influence Israel, that can make an impact in the way that... Even even the European Union can't do it. Um, so, you know, there must be negotiations. There must be a new political solution found. The the two state solution was a a good option for a time, and it could have worked. 
if it had been operated with goodwill on both sides, it, it could have worked. But I think it's almost impossible to resurrect the two-state solution now. In, it's, it's almost dead in the water. Yes. We've gone too far. And one, one possible suggestion, and there, there, are, there are very few um, perhaps who are willing to promote it at the moment, although Abby Schlein might be one of them who would, would promote it, and that is the concept of, of a single state in, in historic yes. Palestine. Um, with both Jews, Christians, and Muslims all living together as equal citizens and equal voting rights. Can I ask you, in the context of that observation you just made, this chant of from the river to the sea that is causing such objection when in London, for example, there were 300,000 people last week, and that was one of the chants, that is claimed to be a desire, to express a desire to eliminate Israel. But others say it's not. It's a, it's a, an argument for the kind of state you just outlined where they would live in peace side by side. Is it right to make that distinction? Um, well, I, I, I think so. Um, I mean, you can't rush to judgment, but I mean, from the river to the sea, I, I think it, it's also a Jewish chance if you find it in the Old Testament. Yes. Um, so it's, it's not exactly, certainly not anti-Semitic. Um, but uh, there are there are some who might see it as being an attempt to destroy the state of Israel, and of course nobody is well nobody in in the Western world is trying to do that. We we believe Israel has, has fully a right of to course, exist. Absolutely. We know how much the Jewish people have suffered in the past, but um, you know the present situation is simply untenable, and we have to look at new solutions and perhaps a confessional state, which which Israel is, where where one. One religion has superiority, has precedence over, over everyone else. It, it's not what the modern world has come to accept as being a proper political solution or a way of living. And, you know, we, we, we are now in the 21st century where, where all citizens have to be equal, um, in a, uh, in, at least in theory, in every country, and that you cannot make distinctions on confessional level from one religion to another. Um, so perhaps the Israeli people should realize that what they need is a new concept of their state rather than trying to return to something which is almost from from the Middle Ages where each uh, each state was, was a separate religion and a separate ethnicity yes. and nobody else from outside could be allowed in. You know, that, that doesn't work in the modern world. Now, I want to ask you in a moment about Ireland's position in all of this. But before I do, I want to ask you about Ursula von der Leyen's visit to Tel Aviv. It was a unilateral, as far as we can see. She didn't even tell her senior colleagues in the European Union. She's the president, of course, of the European Union. She went and gave her unqualified support for Israel's retaliation for October the 7th. This was, she was widely criticized for this, and it did seem to line her up and line Europe up with the United States and the UK, both of whom were also giving unconditional support. Does that make it difficult for Ireland, or to put that question perhaps another way, how divided is Europe on this? And how much of a test is it for Europe, in your view, as a diplomat? Yes. Well, I mean, Europe has been divided on this issue now for many years, and particularly since the... Um, 
the joining of the Eastern European countries yes. 20 years or so ago. And some of these countries have close ties with Israel, um, maybe of a, of a right-wing nature, and they, 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 they've been unwilling to take any action that would be critical of Israel in, in, in the current context. And now, common foreign and security policy in Europe, as we know, it is, is, a, is, is, it has to be unanimous in order to, to achieve a position to, to form, yes. formulate a policy in, in Europe. You have to have all 27 member states agreeing, and that's almost impossible at the moment. And that's, that explains why Europe has not played the role, as prominent a role as it should have been certainly in the, in the Arab-Israeli dispute. But, but get back, getting back to Ursula von der Leyen, yes, I think she, she acted out of, out of position in, in what she did at the time. And she didn't have a mandate to yes. say the things she did to take a, a position for, for Europe on the issue, which a position which did, had not been formulated and not been agreed. And, but on the other hand, we have to look at, look at more historical perspective there. And of course, Ursula von der Leyen is, uh, yes. is German and you can, you can always forgive the Germans because yes. of, they are suffering from a severe, serious case still of war guilt. And it's understandable yes. they, they have been guilty of such crimes in the past that they, they cannot criticize Israel in any circumstances. That's unfortunate. But it, and it's not the way that Europe should be one run. But, um, you know, you just, it's the reality of the situation. Looking at the way Israel is now dealing with this crisis, this invasion, the killings, the attacks on hospitals, the closure of several hospitals, the death of babies, and all of that. In flagrant disrespect for the United Nations itself, I wonder now, 120, as you pointed out in your piece in the Irish Times, 120 UN member states and the Secretary General asked for a ceasefire. They were ignored. They were ignored by the Americans, the British, the European Union, insofar as I know. Is the UN now, if its impotence on this matter, is so obvious. Are we looking at one of the great institutions that was involved in keeping peace and problem-solving, being undermined to such an extent that we will lose it as an influential force in world politics? Well, I mean, I certainly hope not. Um, but I think if we look back at the history of the UN, What's happening at the moment is is not new. Um, we've had these type of differences of opinions and, and lack of concerted action basically since the UN was founded at the end of the nineteen forties. Um, and it's 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 just what is going to happen when you have a an organisation comprising every every state in the world. Um, you're never going to get, almost never going to get um, total agreement on anything. And, and of course, this is is made even more complex by the fact that we we have five Security Council members, prominent members of the Council, who have vetoes over all decisions. Yes, because it's only the 
the Security Council that can make mandatory decisions in relation to international peace and security. Um, and it's it's the it's the nature of the beast we have. It, it's the best beast we have. The, the the world would be a very much poorer place without the UN. So I very much hope that we're not seeing the end of it, and I don't think we are. But it's to expect it to solve all the problems of the world is simply asking too much of an organization of that nature. It's doing the best it can, and without it, we'd be in an even worse position than we are now. i just ask you two final questions, Niall, and we're extremely grateful to you for talking to us. One is about the West Bank. and where you were based, and the expansion of Israel and the militant settlers who are occupying that and expanding. And one could say there is ethnic cleansing there. Would you agree with that phrase? Oh, yes, I would, because there's a certain element in Israel, the Zionist right-wing element, who basically want to clear the land of all non non-Jewish people, and and many of those, most of those are in the settlement communities, and that would be the philosophy, the ideology they have. And they've dehumanized the, the local population and feel they have the right to force them out of their lands. That, that is not justice that, that cannot work in the language. And the last question, really, I can't see an end game that's humane, and democratic out of what we're witnessing at the moment, given the nature of Netanyahu's government and its increasing move rightwards. Can we be optimistic is one part of the question. And the second part of the question is about the Arab world and the Arab street, about Hezbollah, about the other actors in that region. What's your estimation of how they are looking at this, how they can tolerate this, and how can they appease their own people? Yes, yes, it, it is a huge problem, and we, we saw only recently how, how ISIS emerged yes. and developed into a, an appalling uh, ideology yes. which threatened the future of, of several Arab states um, and it's 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 a big issue and it's made worse of course by by the Palestinian problem which which the extremists will use to stir up trouble among their own populations so <clears throat> you know we, we cannot carry on as we are just letting things roll along um, without at least putting some new innovative ideas in place and trying to persuade people to accept a democratic and a, and a peaceful solution to to international problems. It's, it's certainly easier said than done, and I'm not saying that the one-state solution where all all people of the Holy Land would be living in peace and harmony together that's not going to happen easily, and it, it would happen cannot happen for a long, long time. But even to throw the idea out to get people thinking, um, yes. you know, it might shock the Israelis. Say. My goodness, maybe maybe we're not going to be able to hold on to our a single Jewish state, our Zionist state. Maybe we'll have to think about something else. Maybe the world is turning against us. And that sort of thing just might have enough impact, make people think again, to, to try and produce some forms of, of compromise and moderation 
of allowing people to live together and to find solutions where they are working together rather than, than fighting against each other. Now, it's, it's very much pie in the sky, and I admit it's, it's unlikely to happen um, without a huge amount of work and effort. But, um, you know, we have to live in hope, and uh, that's, that's the only hope I can offer to the people of the Middle East at the moment. And just to end with some gallows humor, will the problem be helped if Donald Trump is the next president of the United States? <laughs> no, I, I don't think it will. Um, we, we may have, have difficulty with American policy in the Middle East at the moment, but if Donald Trump becomes president again, it'll make life a lot, lot harder for everyone, and particularly for, for those who believe in the United Nations and who believe in international, international order of things. Um, Basically, Donald Trump is an isolationist, and it's America first, making America yeah. great again. And the West world simply doesn't matter to him. So we we will not we will not thrive. We we will not have a more peaceful um, planet if, if Donald Trump becomes comes president again. And Ireland can be somewhat proud, can it, of its support for the right outcome here? Yes. We, we certainly, we must continue making an effort to do the right thing. Okay. Nyla Holan, a retired diplomat who was based in Ramallah for the Irish government as the Irish government's representative there to the Palestinian Authority from 2002 to 2006. We're extremely grateful to you. It was a superb piece for the Irish Times to run because it's facts rather than opinions that we need and the facts, as presented by you, were extremely helpful. I would urge anyone who wants to read this piece, it's easy to get on the internet. We're very grateful to you, Niall, for joining us. Thank you very much, Eamon. It's been a, been a pleasure to be with you. I've enjoyed the, the conversation. Thank you very much indeed. We're grateful to Niall. To all of you for listening, that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.